<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hey, this is Dave Barnes. And John McLaughlin. And and welcome welcome to to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. Welcome to the very first episode. We are so glad you're spending your time with us. Dadville is a place where dads sit around talking, you know, like dads. And sometimes we'll have dad guests. Sometimes we won't, but we promise we will always have dad jokes. Yes, we will. We promise that. So we'll get right to it. We got to sit down this episode with country music megastar Tyler Hubbard from Florida Georgia Line, affectionately known as FGL here in Nashville. Tyler has been a friend of mine for a while. And one of my favorite things about this episode is how unbelievable candid he is if you know Tyler at all um, he is so 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 honest and wonderfully transparent Um, and uh, I loved hearing him talk so candidly and openly about being a dad um, you know being a really successful artist and trying to navigate yeah yeah, we can't emphasize how successful but being a dad in the midst of that and how you know that's a new struggle for him and and um, and how to do that well, and so I really appreciated his honesty yeah. about that and, and everything we talked about. Yeah. So tag along as we get to hear a little bit of his story and dig into what it's like being a mega country star dad. Yes, mega mega star, all capital letters. Tyler is such a great guy, and I think you're really gonna enjoy this. So stick around. That's coming right up. You ready for this, people? I'm just gonna. I'm coming in hot here. Okay, I've already read it three times. I'm excited. This is kind of like a Tyler. This is your life. So just enjoy (laughs) what I'm about to say. Okay, Uh, here we go about FGL about Florida Georgia Line. This is this is great. I just want to start by saying how crazy this is. Okay, amassing the best-selling digital country single of all time with 11-time platinum breakout cruise, Grammy-nominated 
duo Florida Georgia Line have been making history since 2012 as the first act to achieve RIAA's diamond certification, which is 10 million copies sold, and holding the longest reign on the Billboard Hot Country chart 50 straight 50 weeks, weeks with eight-time platinum number one meant to be with BB Rexa. The global superstars have tallied 9.3 plus billion streams, exceeded 33.6 million track downloads, sold more than 4.6 million albums worldwide, and scored 16 number one singles. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have to laugh. There's no other response. We need multiple times to just stop. <laughs> just stop and just and if you listen to the podcast, everybody just pause right here. Think about what I just read, and then start again. Playing to over 4 million fans, spanning massive arena and stadium headline tours. They're currently on the Can't Say I Ain't Country Tour and will reprise Florida Georgia Line live from Las Vegas, Las Vegas, due to popular demand. Honored by AMAs, CMA Awards, Billboard Music Awards, CMT Awards, and ACM Awards. Their creative empire, which is my favorite part of this, also includes thriving business initiatives, Old Camp Peach Pecan Whiskey, FGL House, Meet and Greet, Tribe Kelly, Tree Vibes Music, and newly launched label around here records that is how do you feel after all i heard was grammy nominated i can't believe we didn't win that grammy. that's so if frustrating that, if that is not the <laughs> i way don't know why you had to start with that dave that's all i heard man <laughs> if that is Just, not a tell on the way a human heart works, exactly right isn't that amazing dude that's incredible i mean how do you feel when i mean i'm sure you don't sit around uh, reading that all the time how do you feel when you when you i do at least once a week just for a little confidence builder there any more than that would be too much right once right. a week is we good. want to keep it humble <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh man it feels good you know it's it's incredible like it's pretty surreal to hear that you know i mean 2012 i remember just being in a place where it was kind of like what are we doing, man? We, but at the same time, a really cool place because we had nothing to lose. We literally had nothing. So uh, right. I think I had $12 to my name, and we were just chasing a crazy dream. And that's when we were in the studio recording Cruise, you know. And to think back now, it's uh, it's just crazy, man. Life life is so wild and can, can change on a, you know, on a dime and, and just drastically go any direction. So it's pretty wild to see what's what our journey's been like and kind of, uh, man, how God's blessed us so much and just uh, – you know, we're in a really cool place of Thanksgiving and, and kind of uh, gratitude, kind of yeah. in that headspace yeah. these days. And it's just, uh, it's a good place to be, man. It feels yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. That is like my favorite thing. I feel like with my friends, we, you know, we had Tomlin on and, and we reading. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's crazy. Right? It's crazy. And, it, and it's, but it's so fun to sit with friends and kind of go like, how do you feel? I mean, even with Holcomb, like, you know, how do you feel? Because, you know, we're all putting our heads down. And you're just cranking, you know, you're just doing the best you can. But have these moments of, of sort of clarity when somebody's like, hey, can we just talk for a second about what's been going on? I love hearing my friends speak to that, like hearing them go like, wow, you know, it's fun to hear that again. Or It is good because I think we're all guilty of, and I don't know, I think this is a good thing, but to me nothing's changed since really 2012. Same right. mind state, same, yeah. right. same got to work so hard, got to like always win, got to da-da-da-da-da, you know, as opposed to, Man, we should just lay back and enjoy the fruits of our labor For a little sure. bit. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, I I think that's one of the powerful takeaways when you hear something like that is to recognize, yeah, I feel the same. Right. You know. I mean, I haven't I haven't streamed 9.3 billion. Yeah, we're just the same songs, dude. That's just numbers, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. it's cool. Yeah. It's actually really cool. I'm not trying to take away from it, but at the same time it's like, yo, we're still the same right. same people with the same mentality and same mindset. Yeah. yeah. Well, between now and 2012 you have done probably 10 million interviews so we don't want this to be the same interview that you've done 10 million times but 
let's just quickly, we like to start with, you know, a short flyover. So let's talk. That's why we have our... That's it. That that's right. right. That's like exactly. That. We try to go with nautical <laughs> pilot, <laughs> pilot themes. Nautical. I like that. It's hard to take you guys serious, but yeah. I kind of like it. <laughs> that's I'm just, kind of the point. I'm in a helicopter with you guys. We right want now. you to giggle at any point. Let's go. Yeah. That's our goal. Okay. So, so what was the Hubbard house like growing up? Like, where was it? Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, small town Georgia, mm-hmm. a little town called Monroe. Um, it's either Monroe or Monroe, and yeah, it's Monroe. Monroe. Okay. Yeah. Respect. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. it's Monroe. I like the other thing about that. <laughs> 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 I never even, now that you mention it, how do I say yeah. it? If someone uh, says Monroe, they're probably from Yeah, I agree. Monroe. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I grew up in a great home, man. had uh, amazing parents. I was the oldest of three kids. My brother was two years younger than me, and my sister is 14 years younger than me. So oh, wow. that was kind of a cool dynamic. Uh, yeah. uh, she was born. I was... Uh, you know, in my teenage years and just, uh, that was a cool part of our life and our story. But, uh, as I get older, I look back and, and realize maybe it wasn't so perfect, but I always kind of described it as the seventh heaven family, you know, wow. just, yeah. just pretty perfect, man. My dad worked really hard and was, uh, a really good dad and a, and a, um, a really good husband and a good example for us. And, and, uh, taught me how to work hard and, and that's kind of what we did for fun together and my mom was able to stay at home and raise us okay. and, um, what, what did your dad do he was a uh what do you want to call it I, let's just say self-employed entrepreneur he kind of okay. bounced around but he was a creative that's a that's probably oh, wow. a good word because wow. he just loved to start companies and businesses and then he would you know get bored pretty quickly and move on to something yeah. else whether it was landscaping or uh, the storage facility. We did storage business mm, for a yeah. while. We did the. Uh, he, he did tree removal. Um, he oh, was. Wow. He loved anything outside. Just hard work, good wow. labor. He loved to do. We so. always talk about how it's going to be so funny when our kids grow up and they like go to college, start talking to other kids about what their parents did, because they'll be like, "Well, my dad, our dads were just around. Yeah. They just." <laughs> I think like, they did something with music, but it felt like they were at the house a lot. I mean, around. any given day around like 1 p.m. Now, my granddad, he, he he took trees now out of the ground. He built stuff. <laughs> now, my granddad, not my dad, but like my granddad, he did stuff. I know what he did. <laughs> not sure with my dad. <laughs> my dad just kind of, you know, piddled around. Yeah, piddled. But it's interesting if you, anyone who has a parents who are entrepreneurial, it's like a totally, there isn't that like rigid kind of system in place. Right, right. So... Which I, that just explains. I mean, I'm just a lot like him, you know. In yeah. That sense. yeah. You know, I've I worked for somebody else for a short period of time and uh, just realized that wasn't for me. You know. Yeah. And just enjoyed working for myself, and yeah. you know, I detailed cars from the time I was 15 until once I realized I didn't want to even work for my dad. Uh, I didn't like dragging limbs all day. I uh, I started washing cars on my own. And from there. My own and was he okay with that? Yeah. Yeah, he was. I think he was kind of like, cool, you know. He bought him a, a trailer. Little, he's out. Got a side hustle. Yeah, so he was. Yeah. So I was doing that from fifteen. I did that all the way through college, on and off. Had my little, my little business that I could just wash, really wash cars wherever wherever I yeah. was at. So yeah. whether I went down to the beach or up here in school or wherever, I did that all through college, and uh, that was how I made ends meet. You know. Yeah. So what was what was their me. dynamic? Like, what were your parents' dynamic? What was that like? Um. It was good, man. I mean, growing up, I felt like they had a strong marriage, you know, um, good relationship. Dad would occasionally, I remember him saying, like, you know, me and me and mom aren't perfect, you know, but we, 
when we have problems, we we just talk through it, you know. And I I never really saw them fight per se or anything like that. So, you know, for me as a kid, it was just like, oh yeah, mom and dad's got a great relationship, you know. And um, I just think I'm thankful, man. I think dad was a really good uh, example and picture for me to see how it's supposed to be, you know. So, um, so yeah, I think they had a great dynamic and a good relationship and. It's fun. It's funny looking back now as an adult. Yeah, trying to analyze your parents' mm, marriage, okay. you know, because as a kid, it's just a totally different thing. But, um, but still, I mean, to this day, I still kind of feel like, yeah, they had a. Well, you know, I, th- I think the thing that I feel like I'm learning as I get older, it really does seem to be, and there's more camps than this, but I feel like you kind of grow up either feeling one of two ways. This is really simplified, but I think there's some truth to it. Feeling like my family feels pretty like safe and normal. Like, there may be problems, but there's nothing that I deem it as, like, wrong, you know. Or you grow up knowing, like, this is not a safe place. Right. I don't like it. I don't like how my parents are. I don't like how they treat me, whatever. And so it's a real blessing, to your point, because I I feel the same, and I know John does, too. Like, growing up in a house where I have to think back to go, like, well, I mean, was there something that was weird? Right. Oh, yeah, you know, a couple moments like this, but not having an overall feeling of, like, yeah, it was kind of tricky or dad split or mom's right. you know whatever that you can really yeah. look back and go like no it felt like i felt safe and yeah felt totally and, yeah right which is such a massive blessing yeah totally man massive really, massive really. blessing i feel like when you think back on your childhood obviously there's a zillion memories that we all have but i feel like like when i think back to my dad at a certain like when i was in junior high or whatever i think of us playing basketball in the driveway mm. that's like I'm that's always going to go yeah. back to yeah, like a couple the of these things. What are what are those for you? Like you work uh, with your dad? Yeah, son? it was work. It was work or, you know, building stuff together, work, just working, even if it wasn't like, you know, actually doing what he did for a living, but yeah. working in the garage or rebuilding a car. We mm. built it. We, oh, wow. We rebuilt a car, a Volkswagen Beetle, it's, and made it kind of built a hot rod out of it for yeah. a few years there. And then uh, we also rode dirt bikes together. That there was it is. Kind of our I thing, was wondering so, where you got that. Yeah. So that was him. So we loved to work and ride dirt bikes. That was pretty much it. I mean, we'd fish and I hang mean, it kind of sounds like that was it. he was like the greatest dad that a little boy would want to have. Yeah, like he was. All of his interests were right in line with what. Yeah, like it was a cool, man. You know, little he, boy from Monroe. Right, <laughs> and he was so busy too. Like that, it it really, you know, if we even had, he worked so hard, which I think was a good. You know, I, I don't I don't think that's a negative thing in my situation uh-huh. necessarily, but. It made me just really value that time together, you know. Yeah. I remember we would throw the baseball and do a few things here and there that were just kind of unique in what I wasn't used to. And basically, we would just work together a lot, you know. Yeah. But anytime you could get ten or fifteen minutes throwing the baseball or something, that was that was, that was huge, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awesome. So, so did did any of the music stuff come from them? Was it a musical family? Uh, or? Not really, man. My mom played piano in church okay. uh, and read music and did that whole deal. But that oh, was wow. kind of before I was born. So we always had a piano in the house. But no, it didn't really get played much. Um, and no, really, music wasn't like a big part of our life. You know what I mean? We just I just remember as a kid just listening to the radio on the way to school every morning. You know, it was usually usually the fish. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. For <laughs> or sure. Or, Not or maybe fish, the country but radio. The fish. The fish yeah. Right. The Christian. Uh, right. The universal radio so station. So your mom for, would play piano at church? Or yeah. that was before you? That was before me, but. So you were so she did have a little musical, yeah. Uh, whatever, yeah. Inspiration, or whatever, yeah. Like like tilt. She had a little musical in her brain. So when did you yeah. when did you get into like how did that happen with you? Man, I was in uh, 
kind of a crazy story. I was like uh, seventh grade or so. Okay. I was in church, and I remember, well, kind of just falling in love with music because I use that as a way to talk to Jesus in a way. So I just remember being like, whoa, this is different. Like I'm really connected uh, with God and it's through this music. And I just sort of, I don't know. I remember being in middle school, just falling in love with music. And then I didn't play any instruments or I didn't really even sing uh, out loud because it wasn't cool back then, right? It wasn't cool oh, to sing. Dude, and I was just like, sure. I never did sing. I didn't even know yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I just remember being in youth group one night and one of the uh, – Actually, I believe it was Corey Crowder or either the guy that was with Corey Crowder, which is crazy small world. No, he was leading worship in my youth group uh, at church. What? In Loganville, Georgia, yeah. And they were leaving and going on to do the next thing or whatever, and I just kind of felt God saying, hey, that's what you need to do is learn how to do that. And I'm like – wow. I'm like thinking in my head, what? I don't, I don't play guitar. I don't, definitely not singing. Like, you really felt like he said that. Yeah. And this is seventh grade. Straight up in seventh grade, yeah. And Man. so then – uh, the new this new guy Stephen White took over for a little while, and he was like the you know the band leader or whatever for the youth group. So I went to him and said, "Hey, can I? Would you mind if I joined the band or whatever?" And I was and he was like, well, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, I don't really do much, but I'd like to learn to play guitar a little bit." Quote unquote, I don't. Really <laughs> I don't really do a whole lot, but uh, I can learn. You're like, you well, know? let's worry about that later. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. no, we'll exactly. figure that out. I was like, I really plan on learning how to play by watching you, and that's what I did. I just remember like. I was just the guy that played acoustic guitar in the back, like, and just yeah. learned how to play and uh, watch Steven do his thing. And then, I don't know, six months later, he was like, all right, I'm off to do whatever he was doing next. He was like, I want you to be the new leader. And I was like, "Dang, what? So I just remember, yeah, Wednesday night youth service, just getting up there and singing my first song. And Good night. It kind of going from there. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where, I mean, it, it wasn't a family thing. It wasn't something I grew up with. It wasn't even something I expected, which is cool because yeah. – you know, by ninth and tenth grade, I felt pretty comfortable on stage, and I was like, "Wow, like this is really fun." I'm, I love music. So, did you yeah. get like, did the bug? Did you get the bug? Like, was it something where you were like, "I really like this." Yeah, I like how this feels. I like doing this. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And I and I felt, I genuinely just felt like that's what God wanted me to do. Like mm. that was like a calling, if you will. You know. So I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna." This feels like I'm in the right place. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I keep. So kinda, how did that very first night go? Uh, when like you're leading for the first good. time, do you I remember? think it went pretty good, man. I mean, I'm sure if I could go back and watch it now, I wouldn't oh, say God. the same thing. But right. yeah, I, you know, definitely no big train wrecks or nothing. But again, it was in a safe environment. It was my right. 30 person youth group. Yeah. you know what I'm saying in church. Oh, and kids, it you knew it wasn't so much if you messed up, they were gonna boo you off stage. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, we're just here to worship, and and uh, so it was a good learning experience over those years, and and then learning how to build a band and. At that around that time, tenth grade, I moved from the public school to Loganville Christian, which was like a really small Christian school. We were the we were the oldest class. We were the first graduating oh, class. Wow. They needed like wow. a band. They they needed like a worship thing band for chapel. And so when I went there, they were like, "Well, good. We need a worship leader. Here you are. You're going to be the worship guy." And it was like, "Well, I just kind of you know whatever. All right, let's let's see what happens." So. And at that time, it was also starting to get cool to play guitar. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're in high school. Oh, yeah. The chicks think it's cool. Oh, you play yeah. guitar. The dudes yeah, are all yeah, wanting yeah. to learn how to play guitar. Yep. So I was like, all right. So I was probably a year or two ahead of that, which was which was nice. And um, I don't know, man. Just kind of con- continued to create the passion and the drive for this. And then I think the next kind of chapter was, well, okay. I'm about to graduate high school. I wasn't even going to go to college. I was like, I'm just going to do what my dad did and run my own businesses. And 
I even quit sports because I didn't like staying after school to practice if I wasn't going to get paid. So I'd want to go. I'd rather Dang. go wash a car and and go home and make some money after that school. That is crazy. Yeah. So I loved just to work and make money. I was like, all right, I'll just I'll just run my own business. And I guess I just thought I'd wash cars the rest of my life or whatever. So the whole time that you're you're the known at this point as the music guy, like you're the guy. Yeah, up front. in my small town. Yeah, 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 I would say so. Like the yeah, yeah. But you still weren't. At least at this point, you weren't thinking, okay, this is after high school, this is what I'm doing. No, uh-uh. I didn't really know. I knew that I was probably, that was what I was really interested in. That's yeah. what I was, that was what I was about to say was right there around the time where everybody was moving to college, I was like, oh, I went and did a couple visits. I was like, well, this, maybe I should go to college because this looks like a lot of fun and I, yeah. I think this, I'll probably miss out on oh, wow. a really good time. So you really were not, so that was a, a, a that was a right-hand turn for yeah. that. That was not like. I'm gonna do college. You're like, maybe I should think about that. Yeah, I wasn't even well, gonna. I was not planning on going to college, and then I happened to do pretty good on my test, whatever it, you know, whatever it was, SAT or whatever, and and I remember just deciding I was gonna go to college because, like, really just for the good time. I'm like, look, I don't want all my friends going off to college, and I'm just here. Yeah, watching yeah, college. yeah. Like, right, you know, right, right. It sounds like a cool idea at the time, but then when you really think about it, it's like, okay, like three months in, this is gonna get old. Yeah, so, right, yeah. right. So, anyways, I. I got accepted to a few schools in Georgia, and I was planning on going there. Then I applied to Belmont because I really had I had spent – I'd come to Nashville to the Passion Conference, matter oh of fact, which is Chris gosh. Tomlin leading – was Chris Tomlin at the time. I know, right? Small world again. So Wait, then, do you know what year that was? 2000 and – it was – I graduated in 2005. 2004? Dude, I think Wurtz and I played that conference. You probably did. Oh, my god! Because I was – I mean, yeah, I mean – God, I remember funny. being a huge Dave Barnes fan and like that was the started freshman in college at least. So it had to be around that same yeah, that's those, so that funny. same year. So that's crazy. So fell in love with Nashville that week. So, man, this is a cool city. So you'd never you'd never been. Mm-mm. So Passion was your first. Passion was. We came up here for a few days and like this is a cool city. It's four or five hours from home. It's yep. not like yep. twelve hours. Yeah. Yep. Uh so I can get you know, because everybody was going to their you know, UGA or somewhere yeah. and I was yep. like, look, I I just really want to do something different. Yeah. I didn't think I anything was really going to hold my attention or my interest enough to get through four years of schooling. I just hated school. So I was like, you know what, maybe I, if I can study something to do with music, that'll get, that'll keep me interested. So that was where I was like, all right. So then I wanted, but I also didn't want a music degree. Cause I was like, what's that going to get me at this music thing? Like, <laughs> right, what am right. I going to learn how to go right. read notes? And, and, and what were your parents saying? What was their opinion? On uh, well, they were, they encouraged me. They encouraged me to do it, but not hard. I mean, they, they were, probably supported me either way you know my dad went to school and dropped out first semester and said that wasn't for him and you know I just thought because we were built so much like college probably wouldn't be for me either yeah but it really was I mean I loved it once moved to Nashville and went to Belmont got accepted there which was crazy and that's what I told myself if I get accepted to Belmont then I'm gonna go to Nashville and so I did and which was kind of another like answered prayer slash little God just saying all right you need to be up here so yeah did that and you know, one thing kind of led to the next. I was not even into music for those four years I was in college either because it was so intimidating because everybody oh, at Belmont's dude. so good and so dude. talented. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, this ain't this ain't for me. I'm just going to. No. And I always was kind of like the guy that wanted to be different than everybody. So, like, if everybody was doing one thing, I would do the opposite. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. I would still write occasionally and maybe by myself or something, but it wasn't like a career that I was pursuing, you know. And then, so what? What? how were you spending your time? Like, was there anything where you – 
Uh, playing sports, okay. like pick up ball and okay. riding my crotch rocket around campus like an idiot, <laughs> trying to be cool and oh, yeah. working out and just being a college kid. Just going kid. to school. That's yeah, great. Yeah. That's classes great. That's and great. doing the deal, you know. So you, so you enjoyed it enough that you were like, I want to stay in and actually yeah, do school. Yeah, and my parents said if I, you know, one thing I knew that was an opportunity is my parents said, look, if you if you go to college and you pass your classes, we'll pay for your college. Oh, dang. Which was huge, especially huge. going to Belmont. Huge. So yeah. I was like, well, even if I hate college, like I should do that this just, is an to, just for a free, you know. So, yeah. you know, I wanted to say, I, I can't tell you, and I think I, we've even talked about this on the on this podcast before, maybe not, but there is no doubt in my mind that God had a plan in me going to MTSU and not Belmont. Now, I had not even considered Belmont, but going to MTSU, that's where I started playing music. That's where I, like, started writing songs and singing. I had this wonderful, safe place to do it. I didn't know anybody else who did. I mean, Luke Laird and Brandon Heath were both in school there and were starting their collective. You know, like I was dear friends with both of them. But Brandon wasn't enough of an artist yet that it was like, dang, dude, he's playing these songs that are, you know, we're all, Luke would play great songs. He was writing in his drawing room by himself, but nobody was so good that I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. Right. Everybody that I knew that went to Belmont, I was terrified of. Yeah. I mean, it was a joke. Like, I laughed. I went. I was spoke at Belmont last week, and and that came up. And I was like, I would not have. I really don't think I would be doing what I'm doing now if I'd gone to Belmont. Because I'd have rocked in and been like, oh, I'm kind of picking on this little thing. Hey, I'm a freshman. Like this little thing I wrote. And some guys like, <laughs> you're right. I was on the Voice last week, and yeah. I'm like, oh my. I actually, won God. the Voice. I won the Voice last week. And so I wasn't I think, even on it. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, they just saw me. They just gave it to me. Um, but to your point, that school is crazy. If you yeah. go in contemplating you if it feels like unless you go in it, those guys girls have been playing whatever since 12 and they've been getting private lessons in voice their whole life and then they go to belmont and they're like i'm here to do this so if it oh, would have been yeah. like me or you rolling up like yeah i like music i'm trying to figure it out like which is encouraging to people out there because there's a t there's a thousands of people at belmont that are way more talented than me oh my gosh and you don't have to necessarily be right. the best that's to, right to that's right. make it in your own world that's and do right. your own thing and that's you right know, Cause that was intimidating. I didn't do any. I didn't even get my guitar out for like three or four oh, years. Man. Oh my god! If if yeah. I, and uh, I met BK who played baseball, and I was like, oh okay, he's not like some classically trained, like very oh yeah, perfect everything. Oh like, yeah, no, let's like we need to do music together. Yeah, I mean yeah, all, all of my friends that would. I mean I know y'all are the same. Like all of my friends that went to Belmont are some of my most talented friends. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, it's a joke. It's crazy. So you, we should go recruit some people now. Dude, nowadays. I'm telling you, just like, <laughs> so okay. So you, you get done with Belmont, you and BK link up, and I'm kind of jump a little bit here. The thing, one of the things that is so crazy, and I think is hysterical about your story, and you've got to, you've got to talk about this for a second. You guys form the band, y'all start playing. Would you please just tell a little bit about the barbecue? The barbecue. Story? Oh man, well that was like our big break, I would say, which is funny now but no we at the time you know we were just traveling the southeast and we were like calling we had just graduated college we were living together in this house that i was telling you about five dudes living in this yeah, yeah. piece of junk house in green yeah. hills and all our neighbors probably hated us yeah but we were calling clubs and bars on the weekends acting like we were booking agents and booking uh, shows i love and these stories deal. and man. every weekend we would just do the southeast and we would my, take all my car washing materials out of my trailer and throw guitars and amps in there and we would just go and so, and you and BK are, are y'all writing these songs together? Is that kind of what's yeah? Happening? We had okay. written songs. We were playing covers at the time too, a little bit, just anything to kind of get the gig and get yeah. paid, you know. Yeah. And we were selling. We had made this little EP. We were selling on on the side, and 
Um, we got a call from our manager <clears> that said, hey, I just got a call from the Country Throwdown Tour, and they want y'all to be on the tour. And we thought, man, that's huge, dude, a Country Throwdown Tour. Like, it was kind of like the, the big country tour that traveled around at the time, and it was just kind of like, for us, we're like, man, that's huge. He's like, there's one catch, though. You guys, <laughs> they, they want y'all to put your gear on the semi for the tour, and then they're going to, you can't have a trailer. They're going to put a, a big Kingsford grill behind y'all's van. And first of all, we were the only band on this tour that didn't have a tour bus. So we had like eight oh. or nine dudes in this church van, and we're tra- driving ourselves through the night following the tour. And long story short, the way our days looked is we would get there, we would go unload our gear from their semis, and then we would play a show in the middle of the day. We were like the second act on the smallest stage, and that was when Cruz had just come out. So we were starting to get a little momentum, but we would play – a hundred degree, you know. What what show. time? What time? It was like two thirty in the afternoon, like right there, <laughs> the right there, just, just right, right there. Yeah. So we'd play that. We would break down the stage, go load our gear up, and then we would have to go straight to the grocery store. All the band go to the store. They'd give us like an allowance, and we had to buy all the materials, all the hot dogs and hamburgers and everything. And then we would come back, and we'd have to crank this grill up, and we had to cook for the whole tour, the whole staff, the whole crew, all the bands. And so after the this was for the whole night now. So for the rest <laughs> I mean, of the night, is... we would serve uh, the whole tour. And, and yeah, after I think it was uh, Gary Allen was headlining. <laughs> so after he got off stage, his whole band and everybody comes. So until like midnight, we're partying and serving hamburgers Ugh. from our van. And then we would load up, pour some water on the grill. Hopefully, that, and sometimes it wouldn't even go out. We would literally <laughs> close the grill and head down the road, I mean, dragging <laughs> ashes and, and embers down the interstate. So that's. That's what we did, and we were jacked on it for a while. But by that end of that tour, I mean, that made us who we were. That was really, I mean, going on little to no sleep, switching mm. drivers, driving ourselves through the night, you oh know, just doing the whole how, deal. How, how many shows yeah, how many did shows? you do? It was a whole summer. I actually don't know an exact, uh, I would say it was probably 30 to 40 shows. I mean, it was a tour. You know what I mean? It was a whole summer deal. This is the, You know what I think? There's so many things that I think are so amazing. But that's right. First of all, it li- I'm literally crying right and now. And then we'd stand in in line for hours at right after our show, oh. if, as if we weren't already dehydrated and sunburned. We would just stand out there in the sun, and we thought it was so, we thought we were so hard for for standing out there for two or three hours and signing <laughs> autographs. autographs for the for the fans. And we're like, man, you know, looking back now, it's like, wow. But that's what that's you know, dude. There's an infamous story about Garth Brooks at Fanfare. Do you know? I about heard this? about that. He he signed autographs. This is a like documented. My friend worked this night he signed autographs for 24 hours taylor like got close remember she like when she was like coming up yeah, she, she like, got weak yeah she got she weak got and she bowed out but i think I mean, I've, the, I've never broke 20 hours that's true. yeah i know which is <laughs> I, easily i've always respected about you yeah. the, one of the things that i think is so amazing about that story is i was talking to some friends about this too the country genre is such a fascinating genre because there, there's really kind of two ways you come up you, you either do the van thing and you hit that really hard for a while and then you get picked up and you get signed to the bus, bus thing but man most of the people i know you're on a bus day one you yeah. know what i mean like you do your radio tour in a van and you, you fly whatever but you know you if you've got if you're on a label they hook you up with another tour and they just tour support you onto a bus and then you only do a bus right. so i think what's so cool about y'all is that y'all i mean y'all had already been doing that but then you serve even more time where you're literally serving food to these other acts and then it seems like kind of with cruise sort of overnight that song catches and then it's a rocket to the moon yeah it yeah ish you know it was because it was it was on the highway for a minute yeah. right and that's where it kind of sparked yeah exactly and it it did take off really quick but i do remember 
being in the back of that van a few times and calling our business manager. Because our whole thing was like, we're not going to get on a bus until we can pay for it. Because because mm. it's easy to say, yeah, I'll take a I'll take a tour support bus out, and the, but then you're just going in debt. And it was like, look, we don't we're going to do things different. Wow. We don't. That's where your dad's entrepreneurial. Oh man, right. it's like, You're just, you just why do I want to be on a bus if I can't pay for it? Yeah. That's right. So we stayed in the van, and then we went to a Sprinter van, which is a little bit nicer. And then we finally got to where we were getting paid enough to get a to get a bus. But because of that, man, we just appreciated that bus like oh, it was yeah. like heaven, dude. That's you know the what thing. I'm saying? That's and the looking thing. back now, I mean, that was even we had twelve dudes crammed on a bus. We had just met our wives. We weren't married yet, but they were coming out with us. So twelve dudes on a bus and our girlfriends at the time sleeping we were sharing a little bunk with them so it's like looking back now that's still roughing it but looking back then it was like man we got You're it made oh yeah dude, this is awesome it. i can lay down totally I mean, <laughs> got my girl i can't move but it's straight <laughs> i mean literally just quote unquote i can lay down like oh, when you man. get to a point where you have been sitting up sleeping or oh. like on some bench up against the window like see you know yeah like and that's the thing too. I think because I think that does have a lot to do with everybody's story. Is like with y'all because I think with both y'all, y'all are such grateful guys. Y- y'all worked. Y'all yeah, just worked. Yeah. And so I think everything that y'all have been able to achieve, you can appreciate it. And I think that matters. I think that's one of the things that I really grieve totally. sometimes in music is when you have guys and it's great and it's in girls and bands where they pop off really quick. There is this sort of sense of like. You miss the work part of it. You know, you miss the, the years the yeah. billboard notes we know in a van. Oh you know, where you go, like, when you finally get those gigs that you've been working for, you can actually stand on stage or go to sleep yeah. and actually think, like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. We had uh, Andy Grammer on, and, you know, I don't know if you know his story, but he he was a busker out in uh, Third Street Promenade. Santa Monica, yeah. For years. Yeah. Years and wow. years, just like literally just trying to put together. He said, like, I needed to put together like the best, like 12 minutes of music because I figured like you had 20 minutes at this one spot then you had to move. And he like, I love hearing somebody talk about the trenches in that way, which if you do a, a one tour, I think that equi- that's equivalent to a couple years of busking. Yeah, where you're firing up a grill for eight hours for the entire tour, yes. and then driving yourselves behind their buses while they're sleeping. Well, not yeah. to mention too, just the the how you view everybody else on a tour, right? Like, because I mean, yeah. you know, like sure. I was out y'all a couple of weekends ago. It's eighteen thousand people, these massive shows. You got a billion crew people. Like, you you can go like, hey man, I know the hustle. Right. Like, I'm not just totally. sloughing off these people. <laughs> totally. Like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, it makes you appreciate it. You know, you, you definitely, you definitely don't leave the stage without thanking everybody. Yes, you know? that's a really, great way to put it. That's a really good place to be, man. Yeah, sure. I'm really I agree. So, back in the day, this is around what? Oh, no, this is thirteen, twelve. 13. Oh, this has been okay for what? So back, Cruise, back when I was signed 12, yeah. to Island Def Jam, I just signed with them. I remember, I mean, no one, no one at the label explicitly told me hey we don't want your faith to be like at the forefront of this but it was definitely the message that was received you know like they sort of saw my faith as this we don't understand this kind of something that needs to be handled carefully and you know we're going to present him in a very calculated way almost afraid of it you know what was your experience like with your label as everything exploded did you experience any of that? <clears throat> not so much. Not really. At the time, I mean, I remember when we were coming up and, yeah, around the country throwdown time, that was when 
Cruise was blowing up. It was starting to make some money. So, of course, all the labels were coming out from the woodworks wanting to take us to dinner and all that stuff. And BK and I, we were very actually unique, I think, in the in this way. I don't know what it was, but we had a really bad taste in our mouth for record labels. We didn't want nothing to do with them. We didn't want their... We didn't want to hear their BS. We, you know, yeah. we were building this ourselves. We didn't need it. We didn't need them. And that was our mentality because we just heard all the stories, you know, and all our friends were, well, I'm here and, you know, you hear how great it is to get signed. And then you realize, man, this, this ain't really what it's all cracked up to be. This is really just a big old loan and they own great me. Great to get signed, not so great to be signed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we, uh, so we were just kind of like doing our own thing, like not pursuing a record deal. And our, our MO was always like, look, when the time's right, the record labels are going to come running to us. We're not going to run to them, ever. So we did that, and it worked out great. And I just remember sitting down, like, one of the first few meetings in, with the label that we ended up signing with. I remember them coming out to one of those shows, watching us play, meeting up after the show. We're changing clothes and, getting, and like, doing our thing. And I just they're sitting down trying to, you know, sign us and smooth us a little bit. And I just kind of said, look, appreciate you being here. Basically, we're a team, and we're already we're already uh, you know, working on all cylinders, man. We're rocking. Appreciate y'all wanting to be you know sign us, but the one way this is gonna ever work is you guys are gonna be partners with us, and we're and we're gonna still do our thing the way we do our thing. We sort of set the precedent like that at the beginning. So ever since we've really had a healthy relationship with the label in a sense of like they sort of know their role and they mm -hmm. and we know our role and our you know and it sort of was established like that at the beginning and not in a disrespectful way but more of a yeah. look this has been done well and this is how we want to do things until this is not working let's just do it this way and it's just been working and so we've, yeah. we we kind of have a, a healthy relationship where we do a lot of things in house and internally and with our management and our house and our team uh over at Big Louds which was the team that kind of believed in us first with our publishing deal and just that whole family over there. So we've, we just, we just like to do things our way and they've just always kind of signed off on it. So it's been yeah. cool and they trust us and we trust them yeah. and it's a cool, it's a unique relationship, but it's really good for us. That's really cool. And then what was it like a month ago? It was when Dave, you were out on the road and you guys had Chris Tomlin come out on stage and sing, uh, how great is our God, right? Yeah. So what was that like? What was that moment like? I mean, that's sort of like the, when I compare it to my situation getting in with Island Def Jam, I hear that story and I'm like, man, what a great sort of expression of like, hey, this is who we are. This is something that's really important to us. We're going to have our friend Chris come out and sing this song. This We don't know how this is going to go, but we're just going to do this. What, yeah. what was the decision making like leading up to that man i mean it was pretty simple you know we just we had connected with chris and became good buddies and started writing some songs together and hanging and just kind of felt like we were longtime friends and uh i don't know not too long after we started hanging out i was like man you should we should do some stuff together like do some shows or do something and then i don't know he just looked at the tour and said I think it also originally started with us saying, why don't you come out and write with us on the road? Because that's where we do a lot of our writing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have our Trevise bus out there and our riders, and that's where we get a lot done. So we, so he, he had agreed to do that. And then we're like, well, why don't we just do a song or two together? And he was all about it. And I just like, I love him, man. He's like so open-minded and, and kind of down to do anything. And uh, just a lot like BK and myself, you know. And we, so we just sort of dreamed it up a little bit and said, why don't you just come out during this moment where we're already kind of in a, a reverent moment we sort of tell our story about 
where we came from and how we fell in love with music and church a little bit, you know, and, and how BK and I feel like this is, you know, we've been put together by God and this is, this is what God wants us to be doing. And we just give him the glory for a minute. And then, uh, and then we were able to bring Tomlin out and go into that moment, which was to me, probably one of the best moments of my whole career. I mean, for sure. I would definitely say that's something I'll never forget. It was just, uh, I don't know. God was moving in that place like crazy, and I mean nothing but the spirit. Every everybody could feel it, and there was twenty thousand beer cans in the air praising Jesus, and it was just <laughs> it was incredible, man. Like nobody expected it, and nobody saw it coming. You know, even even myself, I don't think um, for God to show up like that, which is we should always expect that. But uh, it was just a cool moment, and I don't know what all the pieces of the equation that that made that such a special night and such a special moment, but. Uh, you know, we definitely were buzzing off that for about a week or two. And I yeah. think, we'll, you know, it definitely opened up our eyes to some bigger possibilities and, you know, kind of just letting God work and move within our community and our people and our fans. And it's just, it's been incredible, man. So we'll see what, what else God does with that. Hey, Dave. Hey, John. How many times in the last four months have you heard somebody say the phrase, we're living in wild times? That exact phrase? That exact phrase. Yes. 2,976,292. That's the number that I got. Yes, yes. Well, these are wild times. They are wild times. Do you think that people can get life insurance in such wild times? Well, my friends at Policy Genius think it's a great time to buy life insurance. And you know what? I don't disagree. Please don't. You know, Policy Genius has this way that you can compare quotes from the top life insurance companies all in one place. Yeah, Policy Genius is like a grocery store for life insurance. Mm. You know when you're shopping at the grocery store and there are like 80 different kinds of toilet paper? There's like double Double ply, ply, there's single single ply, ply, there's double roll, roll, there's store brand, brand, there's expensive brand. brand. Yeah, who knew there could be so much option in cleaning the old touche? Well, Policy Genius doesn't help you choose toilet paper. Unfortunately, that's the bad news. The good news is it does give you the rundown to make a better decision on a life insurance plan. And once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the red tape and all the paperwork for you, which is great because we all hate red tape and paperwork. And they do it for free. Hold on, hold on. Speaking of paperwork, I just want to circle back real quick. Do you think that Policy Genius can help pick toilet paper? Yes or no? I'm thinking probably not. Okay. That's but if fair. you do hit any speed bumps in your application process, they will be there to help you all the way through it. That's amazing. So if you're one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now, but you're not sure where to start, head to Policy Genius. And since we're such great dads, yep. here on the Dadville podcast, Policy Genius will find the best rate and handle the process completely, leaving you more time to spend with your family and making dad jokes. Yes. Also, it's nice to get your family protected and give you one less thing to worry about. Oh, man. Thanks, Policy Genius. But really quickly, John, do you think they can help with toilet paper? No, I think you should ask your wife. Uh, Okay, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Dave, I want to give a shout-out. And when I give a shout-out, I always laugh because it just brings me so much joy to give a shout-out to Claritin. Yes, yes. For supporting this episode and providing us with free oh, samples. You know it, John. This time of year, my allergies are in fuego. They're mm-hmm. always on the attack, but I use this and you should too. Oh, I do, Dave. Every day in our house. Yeah. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, which is, this is me raising my hand, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill to relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. John, I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for a long time, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for a run without my eyes watering. I may be crying, but it's not sure, from allergies. Totally different. And I can sing without feeling like I have like a big old, let's not even call it a frog. It's, a, it's like a toad. It's like a family of toads. It's a family. It's a turtle. Yeah. In my so you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? Yeah, me. I it's am. time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. John, we all love summer, and our oh, kids yeah. especially love summer, but yep. we lose that consistent schedule of when kids are in school, and that yep. can create some summer child care problems. You know what? Thankfully, though, Dave, <gasps> there's a solution. What? Windy. That's W-Y-N-D-Y. Listen, it's an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome, Dave. That's right, John. And Wendy has been around for seven years and has been used by over 20,000 families. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy near you, working full or part-time. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash dadville to start searching for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock off 50 bucks off your search yeah. if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional nanny agencies Ooh. and no ongoing fees. Okay, so here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash dadville to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You can choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. That's right. Go to wyndy.com slash dadville. I've I've always told you this, but I think one of the things that I have so much respect, I have, I have a lot of respect for you just in general, which I've told you, but <clears throat> I think one of the things I've always loved about the way you guys work and knowing you so well is that you seem to be so open to that stuff. And something we, we've talked about when we were talking about, you know, getting time with you is how um, kind of what John was, you know, asking is, is this interesting place where you're someone who is a Christian in a genre that obviously has a lot of Christians and thankfully has a real understanding of that. You know I mean? The country genre has got a real unique relationship totally. with the church and God, which is great. Um, but you know, to be so open to go like, Hey, we're just going to try this thing. Let's let's, I mean, it, it was so fun being out with you all that weekend because sitting there side stage and I actually booked it out to front of house. Cause like Tomlin went on stage and so I just like huffed it to get out because I wanted I wanted to see I wanted to be on stage to see the crowd when he walked out right. and then I wanted to be in the crowd to, to be able as the song Experience was going it, yeah. and you know I'll, I'll never forget that moment too because I have you know pictures on my phone of you know you guys are in the back with your hands up and Chris is just smiling it just felt so you know God in these places that you know you, you love to see him you know like and, and everybody's enjoying it but I think like one of the things that's always so fun to see with how you handle and, and you and BK both is that there is this sort of willingness to bring your faith into what you're doing. 
and there's not this fear of kind of separation of right. you know church and job or whatever um and it you know like with John and I and you too we all grew up in the church but we all play music that isn't necessarily church based music right and i'm curious like you just said i mean do you find that that's hard for you to do and reconcile or is that uh you know especially as you think about the future like we've talked about you and i how do you hold that together like you know how is it you try to think about that yeah two thoughts on that is is i think from day one bk and i have both felt literally like god put us together and it's kind of been like an anointing even when we were doing writers rounds like we were wow. we would circle up and say a prayer together before we wow. go on we we literally i mean i heard god tell me when I saw BK leading worship one night at Belmont that, hey, that's who you're supposed to do music with. Man. Like, that was literally an audible voice. And I was like, whoa, that doesn't happen very often for me. So, like, so we've always felt like, okay, we're in the right place. This is where God wants us. This is who we're supposed to do, be doing music with. And then, yeah, like I've told you before, we've, you know, we spent years in bars and clubs and playing these shows until 2 a.m. and drinking a half a bottle of whiskey and doing the whole deal. And it's like, sometimes you just pray and like, what am I doing out here? Like, why does God, why am I out here? Like, I thought God was going to use me yes, in my music that's right, that's right. for him. That's you know right, what I mean? That's so right, like, yeah. You kind of go back, you're like, all right, God, like, I'm still trusting you, but like, really? Like, Miss Kitty's at 2 a.m.? Is this really where I'm supposed to be? Like, <laughs> so looking back now, it's it's been incredible. And you've helped me see this too. Yeah. and just encouraged me because... I think God God likes to use the mm. not non expected I don't know. I don't know. The art, man. Yeah, what yeah. God what God puts in our heart and, and creates and helps us write and the shows that we do now, like it's just been inspiring because you hear people's heart through it and you you meet people and they say how whatever song changed their life and how that it kept them you know, kept them going through a hard time and this and that and you just start you start kinda thinking, man, like our songs do have a reason, like a bigger picture purpose. You know, it's not, maybe they're not singing this is how I roll in, on Sunday morning at church, but, you know, this is uplifting people and this is encouraging people. And like you said, Dave, like just to be at a concert and to give joy and happiness to mm. so many people and be able to let them forget their worries for Gosh, a couple man, hours. what a blessing. It was, a, it was a really encouraging. And I've been telling other artists that too. Like that is God, man. That's God. Like hopefully God's just outflowing from us and showing love and, encouragement it doesn't and and not the typical church fashion yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so i think that's it's been really cool and eye opening and a fun journey to see just when you think god's got you in a in a place that you don't belong you're kind of like you know what like who am i to think where god can use me at like that's right. why does he have to mm -hmm. be the right. the typical what i expect yes. you know so i think right. i'm trying to look at life in all areas of that you know like that now and not not be kind of closed minded and just think big broad ideas and kind of look for those open doors and run I have this feeling that if if the if the 18 year old you sat down with where you are in your life now I think he would be so excited about that yeah Do you mean, sure, yeah. just in the way of like you you played you know in the church you know that's where you learn how to do what you're doing and then you know to see that your path is 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 where it is where it's uniting music that you love and write with a faith that you're involved in that you believe and it's and and they're becoming so simpatico. I think that like you know, eighteen year old Tyler would be like, dude, this is awesome. like yeah, it's working totally. You know like I mean? it all makes sense now. You yeah, know? yeah, like, exactly. Oh. That it's sort of coming to this beautiful sort of head. Totally. You know? Yeah. And, cool. I, and I'm with you. I think. I mean, I, I've, I've we've talked about this in our men's group and stuff, but it's so fun to see Nashville. I just feel like there's a really cool thing that's happening where so many people are feel more 
um, encouraged to talk about their story and their faith and yeah. what they believe in their careers. Right. And so it's emboldening. I mean, I think, I think especially your story has just really given a lot of people a lot of, you know, faith. To, I mean, it was crazy. My dad, I think, I don't know if I told you this, my dad sent me the Fox News headline of Y'all with Chris. Yeah, that's and crazy. I was like, that's just so great. And the article was great. Like it wasn't, there was no, and I just thought it's so cool to see that that's, that even the culture responds, like these right. waves that you send out, you know, totally. that, that, um, I think there's something to be said about just being transparent and vulnerable and real. Like I think back in the day it used to be, it used to be more common to separate your work and your career with mm-hmm. like your family and your faith. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, and your passions and your hobbies, like. But why why can't it all be kind of one? Because it yeah. is all one for for me. You know what I mean. And I think our fans they want to know all the aspects of who we are. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and we want to show that. We yeah. want to sh- like I'm proud to be a husband. I'm proud to be a dad. I'm proud to be a believer. I'm proud to be FGL. I'm proud to be a husband. So like I want to show all that as opposed to just like here's what I'm doing on stage and you guys don't know nothing else about me. That's you know right. That's right. Like, so I think that's cool, and I think God's using that not just with me, but with everybody, and kind of showing like, hey, people are listening to us now, and it's just cool to to have that voice and to have that platform, but also the responsibility of saying, hey, we got to lead people in the right direction, you know, yeah. whether that's a spiritual road or a family, you know, just being able to show the world love, man, through yeah, whatever they're that's right. to do, you know, that's right. All right, now we're officially in the dad, we're in dadville now, dad mode, yeah, dad mode, we're in dad, dad mode. mode, so. First off, I have a Luca and a Liv. What? And you have a Luca and a Liv. That's right. right. Do you call her Liv? Yeah. Yeah? So we That's have cool. Luca wow. and Livy. Um, That's awesome. You were just such fans of you guys. Were huge. <laughs> That's awesome. They are my kids after y'all's kids. <laughs> but yeah. before they, you Well, we changed it. There was a lot of paperwork, but we yeah, got yeah, it done. Yeah. Um, so when Amy and I, Luca is about to turn seven. So when, when Amy and I had Luca, we still lived in Indiana. And I remember thinking, like, I will never tour again. Like, I'm holding my newborn baby girl, and I'm like, I got to figure something else out. Because I can't, up until that point, that's been our bread and butter, like me going on the road. And and Amy had actually toured with me um, up until that point. So that's kind of what, what brought us down here to Nashville, is I was thinking, I'll just have to, I'm going to write songs for other artists i can never leave again yeah what was your your experience like um huh did you have any kind of like that but kind of like i'm ready for friday to get here so i can leave (laughs) (laughs) but for real be honest here but for real no it, it it just definitely adds another element of you know when we're away of of me missing being home you know it's it was before it was i missed Haley pretty badly and a lot of times she could come out on the road and a lot of times we're really fortunate now because we can bring the kids and the name we have our own bus so we can uh-huh. we can just you know <laughs> we can all load up if we want to and hit the road for the weekend and it's it's amazing but a lot of times for me now it's a good healthy balance to be on the road for two or three days mm-hmm. yeah uh, occasionally just by myself it's a challenge for me I love to be around people they charge me and I'm you know it's hard for me to be alone so it's good for me to say, babe, I'm going to be, you know, I'll be home Sunday and I'm going to have two days on the road and, and let you have two days here by, you know, at the house. Um, but it is tough, man. It does add another element. I miss them like crazy and it's so much more fun when they can be out there. Um, and I do think just a different perspective. I mean, I never had the thought of I can't ever leave again for sure. 
Um, but it was it was that perspective shift. Like it wasn't all about yeah. touring. It wasn't all about mm. FJL. It definitely wasn't all about myself right. anymore. Yeah. It was more like this is I'm leaving the house more to raise for my daughter now and my son and my family and this is hopefully going to put them through school and as opposed to this is going to hopefully buy buy a boat or something. You know right, what I mean? Right, it's like, yeah. So it's it's been really fun, man. It's good, yeah. It's good interesting chapter. how it can like at the same time give so much more meaning to it and simultaneously make it painful now. Yeah, totally. You know? Totally. Well, yeah. you know, too, and I think that's one of the things that's so interesting about when you're in a, you know, one of the things that the country music world does so well to me is tour. I mean, yeah, it's like they, they, they've got that they got on the that, grid right. and it's on lockdown. And so I would imagine that you can't, like, you've got rhythms. You and Haley, y'all have rhythms in your life, like, that you live in and live by and you get used to and your marriage kind of works in some ways because of these rhythms. Totally. So I would imagine it would it would make all the sense in the world to me that you have this baby and you're going, yes, I want to be here, but, like, at the same time, like, we have this way right. we live. We got and the I rhythm. can't suddenly, yeah, we have the rhythm. And you can't just chuck, you know, like, now I'm just going to be home all year. Right. I mean, it's probably drive her crazy exactly. if I was home all exactly. the time. Exactly. Because you sort of build your relationship on the rhythms. Right. Like you, you sometimes. And we you, have two rhythms. It's a, like y'all know, it's a in, it's a tour season rhythm and then an off tour exactly rhythm. That's exactly right. We're in the middle of tour when we just had Luca. So it was like, yeah, like you said, like, all right, let's just keep the We felt like he was born and we literally just kept. Kept going. I mean, for the most part, you know, other than, I mean, Haley's life was already consumed with being pregnant and baby you know baby life but yeah for us as a couple it was just kind of to keep the rhythm going and yeah maintaining we got like another two or three weeks to go and our tour's over but we uh you know he came right in the middle of the tour so we just kind of kept rocking did you now that you've had especially with two because there were three y'all are there ways when you think about your dad that you can see you picked like from funny things to annoying things to wonderful things like do you see the things that you've picked up and how you father your kids yeah totally man that's wild isn't it that, that i mean yeah all the time i catch myself being like well that was a dad move <laughs> <laughs> you know, or that was what my dad would have done or whatever and it's also interesting that i think about often because i have to i can't really compare the two because you know my dad's life was so different than ours you know what i mean mm. he was making ends meet and he was working left the house at seven thirty and came home at darker after you know wow. what i mean and not that it was a bad i didn't feel neglect from that necessarily but for me, it's just different. Like, mm. you know, Monday through Wednesday, I'm, I have You're the here. potential to be home and present and with the kids all day. If yep. I, you know, if I'm yep. not writing or yep. if I'm not, I usually don't do that, unfortunately, because I, you know, but I do try to say, well, I'm going to be very present and not have my phone with me until after breakfast mm -hmm. or then, or after dinner, I'm going to mm -hmm. be present and mm -hmm. put my phone away as opposed to, you know, a lot of times in my, in my growing up in my house, it was more of the, you know, the dad's working. The mom's at home mm -hmm. doing the thing, and it's just how it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yep. a lot of times it's, it does take a little bit of adjusting and realize, hey, like, we just don't live the the life that I lived growing up. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So, you know, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was supposed to go to the – I had already told Haley I wanted to, and I put it in the – or I told her to put it in the calendar, which means it's official. It's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, that's right? yeah, It's done. So – and then I completely – I was – my right got pushed back that day, and Haley calls me about halfway through the right. She goes, hey, where are you at? I go – well, I'm, I'm writing. What's up? She goes, I thought you were going to come to the doctor's office. It's Luca's first appointment, da 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 at the doctor. And I go, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't I can't make it. I'm in the middle of a ride. I, I forgot about it or whatever. And I think even those little things, like I didn't grow up with my dad going to the yeah, doctor's right, appointments with right, me because I right, was just, right. it was the middle of the day, and right. that's what we did with mom. That's you know? right. So for us, I just think little dynamic things like that, it's like, oh, I could have totally been there for 
my wife and my kids, I just what I just didn't fully think that one through. You know what I mean? Mm, like totally. And it didn't feel like the the necessary uh, expectation, I yeah. guess, if you will. But yeah. But in our life, it can be. You know. Yeah. So Isn't I don't it, know. Just adjusting to that. It, and, it's so weird to me. I mean, I think all three of us can relate this. Like what we do. For none of us is in the pedigree. Like my family didn't right. have this, John's didn't, yours didn't. So you're not only creating a rhythm in a life that you aren't used to, but your family isn't used to, right. which is okay, you know. But you don't have anything to base it off of. So there's right. no sense of like, you know, seeing my dad be a singer songwriter. Okay, this is how he did this. I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. Right. <laughs> but you also like, you know, I think we've all done better than our parents have which is a real blessing but then that's a whole other set of new problems because oh, yeah. you're like <laughs> i mean that's what i would say is one of my constant struggles as currently in my life as a dad as a husband because i had a similar upbringing you know my dad would leave for a long time he would leave monday morning and he would get home friday night and he was flying all over you know doing more traditional just work like work that like at the end of the day like you punch a clock and right. you're done you can be off work too and now you're off work <laughs> right. you know and so i've really it's been hard for me to kind of just exist in the life that i have right now and not feel like on some level this weird kind of guilt for like i'm constantly feeling like i'm not working hard enough right all the time right and even though my wife if she were here she would be like John works very hard. Right. Because she knows the times that I'm working and the sacrifices affect her. But, you know, that's something that I deal with. And I think, Dave, what you're kind of illustrating is the reason why that yeah. situation. I don't know if that's something I always something feel that, that too. With. Yeah. You do. Yeah, totally. It doesn't matter how many thousands of people are in that nope. venue. Or how many records or how many stats Dave reads to me or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I still got to go to work or I'm going to get outworked. I don't want to get mm -hmm. outworked. You yeah. know what I mean? And. I don't know. Maybe that was that was definitely a good thing that was instilled in me at, at a young age. But now, at, at a little older, it's like okay, I gotta still find balance. Like I yeah. do, I do work hard enough. I do deserve an off day. I do deserve to relax. And sometimes I have to make myself do. Just it. Call, I, if right. you ever need that, call me. I'll read that to you. Yeah, thanks. Just be like, Dad, I'm in a, I'm in a bad head. Well, we've got to record it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'll just go back so, and visit. So this. one of the things that we're gonna skip just a second because I think this is kind of what we're talking about. I, one of the things that I'd love to hear really both of y'all speak to is like. You know, you grew up in middle-class families like we did. I mean, I would argue maybe while we lived in Mississippi, we might have been, like, lower middle-class, but m my dad was a preacher, and I think, you know, there's sometimes I wonder if he was selling drugs on the side of making me. But, um, <laughs> but, like, it's such an interesting thing, which y'all both spoke to a minute ago, but you enter into this sort of new where you start having success and, and you know, like you start making some money, and the paradigm that you were expecting – which was like hustle, make ends meet, get the kids through school, get them through college, get some retirement, you know, whatever it was. Like you start going like, hey, this is like kind of happening. Yeah. You know, and much earlier than I suspected oh, yeah. it too. How, how have you seen that affect just <laughs> uh, parents? Am I supposed to retire now? <laughs> what happened? Is this it? <laughs> I think that paragraph ends with, and now that he's living on the beach with his family, <laughs> he does open mic he's gigs 32 for fun. and never working never again. Never working again. But like, how have you seen that affect just the parenting part of your life? Like, I mean, yours is such a great example of this. You had a dad that was hustling. He was out there making it happen. You knew, I mean, I felt this way, John, I talked about it. I never had to doubt where we were financially. Not mm -hmm. that 
But, you know, like there was, it was really common for me to go somewhere and go, I want that mom be like, hey, honey, like, right. I'm so, we can't afford it. And she meant that. Right. And I knew she meant it. Yeah. I never had to be like, Okay, yeah. but how... My how, kid's going to be like, yeah, right, Dad. <laughs> you just want a motorcycle. I know you just bought that toy off Amazon. Don't lie to me. <laughs> but like, you got three motorcycles in the garage. How, that's right. How are, like, how are... Have y'all gotten that thing where y'all are trying to figure that out? Like, how are y'all navigating that from what you grew up with yeah, that's to now a, where you are? I think about that a lot. We talk about that, you know, with Haley. It's like, man, I, I don't want to raise rich kids yeah i yeah, don't want to raise yeah, exactly. spoiled right rich kids i will go crazy if my right. kids end up this way right but at the same time like you know what we've worked hard for what we have and i'm not going to sacrifice having my toys so my kids don't you know what i mean like yo how are we gonna how are we gonna do this i'm just gonna like yo yo uh kids you just daddy has all these toys and, and mommy has all these jewels because we worked really hard right and, you right, know, right here's a lawnmower good right, luck right yeah. right yeah yeah <laughs> i'll guess. see yeah the neighbors want you to cut the that's grass right. for twenty exactly bucks a yard. Go that's right. after it. Uh, I don't know, man. I think that's something we're gonna have to just kind of navigate as we get there and cross those that bridge when we get there because it's it's definitely something that we're conscious of, and I think that's maybe just a key component as as they get older, just trying to be really aware and just realize the things that instill that work ethic and the value of a dollar, and you know all those things, how to work hard, how to be grateful and thankful for things. And just, I think if you're just sort of aware of that throughout the process of raising kids, I'm I'm hoping that some of that will just wear off on them. You know what I mean? And the things that dad taught me and the things that he did and just a little, although we're not financially in the same position that I was as a kid, I do feel like we can somewhat, set the scene for them to just still be grateful and I've been encouraged because I know multiple families now as we've had kids and I ask myself that's one of my probably biggest fears is how do we how do we manage having kids and raising them the right way with not struggling you know what I'm saying going on all kinds of cool trips and doing this and having cool experiences and nice food and da 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 and a chef and somebody that helps us do the laundry like that didn't have that as a kid like how do you not spoil a kid but I've been encouraged because I know quite a few families that I've run into now that are really successful and well off and have some of the best kids wow. that are not, that are so grateful and so polite. And, what's the, and so what's humble. the consistency there? I don't know. I'm still studying that. So you get back to me. Yeah. I was going to say you need it. Yeah. 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 But It'd just great parenting and a sense of being present and reminding the kids like, Hey, like even what, just, just talking to them and helping them understand like all those values and all those things that you, kind of grew up learning and, and are still kind of learning. Um, well, that, and Because I think that's the thing that's so hard to shake is that you can't, your kids are going to know just osmotically growing up and like, oh, we, our house is bigger than that one kid's house we just went to. Or when we go to vacation, we stay in this place. Right. Or So you can't, they're already right. figuring it out. So so you realize like it really is our job. It's just Even, communication. It's right? just how to tell how them, to communicate how to that. Present how to, it all to them. Um, well, you know, it's something that I've I've literally never thought. And take of a trip to Africa every year just to go, make sure they're good gosh. and hot. For sure. Well, one thing that I haven't thought about until right now is they are, our kids are going to experience us making these decisions and and living in you know within our means, even if maybe we don't have to. That is something that maybe like like you're saying, Dave, when you were in the store and you asked for that thing, your mom like the decision was already made. Yeah. That wasn't a decision. Yeah, yeah for that, her. that's right. That's the right. Books yeah. The books are the books. Yeah, the books are the books. Yeah. So our kids your kids are gonna see you 
you know, living the way that you want them to see you live. Just you to know what just I mean? to piggyback off of that, I feel like it's a cool opportunity to say, you know, because maybe my dad didn't want this to be my imprint and the message that was sent to me, but as a kid, I was taught hard work was very important. Probably the number one or two most important things, how hard you work. And then the reason you work is to make money. So my dad spent 12 hours a day pursuing money, not in a bad way because he had to. Yep. But but fortunately, maybe for us, we can say, hey, kids, look, there's some people that are that have tons of money and have way more money than us. There's some people that have way less money than us. We're really fortunate and blessed because God's given us everything we need. And we've but because of that, we have to give back. We have mm. to do this. We have to do yeah, that and teach right. them all the things. And also can teach them that, hey, it's not about money, kids. Like, look, it's about being nice to your neighbor and to be and sharing your toys with your friends and da 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 and hopefully lead by example in that way and say, look, it's a bigger picture. Like, and dad taught me that too, but by his actions, it also said, but, but I still got to work 12 hours a day to, to pay the yeah. house off, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Or whatever. Totally. And so I think for us, it is a scary thought, but it's also an encouraging, empowering thought too, to be like, Hey, just so you know, work hard. You want to, you want to be able to pay your bills and take care of your family and yourself. But, that's not what life's all about. I still think the most powerful thing that I find with, with people that I know that really do well is there's nothing more powerful to me than when they're really benevolent. Like that is always, it just breaks my brain in half, you know, that, and I love that. And I think it's a lot of times why they tend to do so well is that because they are so others centric and they aren't trying to amass their wealth. They're going like, Hey, how can I help people? And how can I, um, how do you think your dad if he were still here, how do you think he would think about where you are now? Ooh. I don't know, man. That's I think about that a lot. I think he would just be like, WTF. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, what yes. happened? <laughs> if he could come back for one day right now and just look at our life um, and just live our life, it'd be crazy. I always dream. I wish he could just take a ride on a tour bus. I uh, think he would just oh, yeah. freak out over that. Um, how How old were you again when he passed? 20. So I was a sophomore in college. So it was way before all this. Yeah, yeah. But I was still kind of like, at the level that I was in the music, he was a big supporter and like definitely was probably one of my biggest fans, you know. So at times I'm like, man, it'd be so crazy if he could be here for a day. But um, I think he'd be proud, man, for sure. You know, mm -hmm. I think about that a lot. But he taught me a lot of a lot of good things that I got to carry on and how to, you know, how to manage all this and how to, you know, keep a good perspective and. I think he'd be pretty pumped. Golly. Yeah. yeah. I think really it'd fun. be amazing. I think that's that's one of my favorite things about music is it's so many of the the people I know that do it, like that was not their original plan. Right. You know what I mean? Like we all loved it. And even John, you playing piano as long as you played. Um, yeah, there was some thought, but it wasn't like at 15 if somebody had asked you, like, what are you going to do when you're right. 30? You'd be like, rocking the mic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it was the NBA. <laughs> what are we dunking NBA, on? I'm yeah. dunking on folks. But, like, I think that's one of my favorite things about what we do is that there is – I mean, I feel that way about myself. I know we've talked about this to you, but, you know, you kind of look up at some point in your life and you go, like, hold on, I'm playing music? Right. For, that is all that I do. <laughs> if I could go back and talk to my 15-year-old self, he'd be like, so when do you start doing that? Because I'm not doing right. it right now. Like, yeah. But I think with your dad, it's kind of the same. Like, yeah, he saw you in your interest in music, but to see just where you've been able to go with it right. and sort of him pop up out of nowhere and be like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah, he'd trip Like, out. this is your tour bus and these are your fans. Like, when did you even start 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Just the the way that it's progressed yeah. is just so crazy. I know it really is, man. I think he would be mind blown by that, and and just by the life that's the the life that's been built and the family. And you know, I often even think if we could just have a week, I'd spend three days just going and playing and saying, "Dad, look at all these toys!" Like it, if yes. if if he were to be financially in the position that we were in, I feel like he would be very similar in the way that he spent his money and stuff yeah. like that. So I I don't know. I often think about how he would probably just laugh when he if he came back and just looked around and. You know, we'd probably have to go play for a few days and riding dirt bikes and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's it's really cool. It's it's insane to just kind of soak in that. And every now and then, like almost every weekend, I sit on the Tree Vibes bus and I'm just like, guys, we get to write songs and play shows and just play music, and we're and we're all doing really well. Like, yeah, financially, we're not broke. Like I just assumed if you did music, you always kind of yeah, had yeah. to be the broke musician yeah. guy. And that's yeah, was fine with me. But now that we're all like paying for employees and raising families and taking care of people. It's just incredible, man. I'm so thankful to to be able to do this. What well, feels like a hobby, you know? Yes. It feels yeah. like so much fun. That's like, right. I tell Haley, I'm sorry I work so hard, but I just love it so much. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I right. do not want to miss a, a write. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, if my buddies are writing a song, I do not want to miss yeah. it. And I do occasionally when I know it's important, and, and sometimes I don't want to miss being home either, but I just love what I do so much that it's hard not to just – you know, do that's amazing day. that you have that level of passion this at this stage in the game. You know, yeah, that you still well, love it, it, it so comes much. in waves too. You know, yeah. but I do just, I mean, the fact that anything musical is always fun for me. But definitely the create the creative process and the writing yeah. and the being in the studio with your friends and leaving the studio with a song that wasn't in the universe before. That's you right. Were there. It's yeah. just, that's right. It's still pretty. That's right. When you write a good one. uh that feeling it's almost amazing yeah i always walk away and i'm like you know five hours ago this song did not exist right and now it exists that's a rush that we're that we're always chasing oh my gosh so you lost your dad in 2007 Mm -hmm. is that right and then when did i mean pretty around that same time you met bk yeah yep it's probably around that time i mean we went to a small school so i kind of knew who he was um, I hung out with a lot of the athletes, even uh-huh. though I didn't play any of the sports. <laughs> but I knew BK like briefly through the guys, and he seemed really cool. But uh, it was our senior year where we really started hanging out and realized, man, we wrote a song together, and it was like it just clicked. And we were like, "Yo, this is incredible. Let's write another song." And so, yeah. so yeah, senior year we kind of started yeah. dreaming and writing. I I feel like there are layers to this question, and you answer whatever you feel comfortable answering, but. I'm curious what FGL, all the success, was like for your grieving process after losing your dad. And just looking at the timeline, you know, you have your dad, you lose your dad in 2007, and then right around that same time, you have this other guy come into your life who now, to millions and millions of people, you you guys are a duo. You yeah. Know? What is that relationship like? Was there any sense of like, whether it being the success of FGL or BK himself, did any anything step in and sort of take over for your dad a little bit, or fill any of that um, void that was left? Mm, I don't know if it was so much that, or if I was just like motivated by losing him. You know what I mean? If I was just kind of like, you know what, 
I'm going to channel this energy. I don't know about the, I don't think so. I don't think I ever found, I mean, may, I'm sure music helped fill that void, but it, and I'm sure having a friend like BK did as well. And, but I got a lot of really good friends that, that stepped up, you know, and helped me yeah. get through that time. Um, and I think music was a big part, but I also, the older I get, the more, and I look back, that was what, 12 years ago now. I think whatever my personality type is and all that, like when I'm, when I'm stressed or, or going through something, I usually just work harder. You know what I mean? So I think it at the time was kind of, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately a, a kick in the butt that maybe I needed, you know, and I just put my head down and worked, you know, and worked and worked and worked and probably in a way to honor dad and make him proud. Yeah. I was, you know, probably telling myself and also just, that's probably how I dealt with it and kind of avoided the feelings and stuff, you know, right. at the beginning. So it's all been a process of kind of healing through that. But, um, but I don't know. I, was I that like was that was, when you met BK? Was that did that become a part of y'all's communication? I mean, with you having lost your dad, was that something y'all talked about much? Or was, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, a decent amount. I mean, I've always kind of like talked about dad in conversation and stuff like pretty regularly. You know, especially at the beginning, it's like part of my way to heal. I think you know. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things that breaks my heart the most. Like when success comes, I'm like, man, I wish dad could be here to see oh, this. Or man. like when I met my wife, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish dad could meet Haley or BK yeah. even. It's like, yeah. there's people in my life that I'm really close with now that I'm just like, man, I just wish that dad could meet them or they could meet dad. But you know, it's, it's also just part of life and you know, I've learned a lot from it and grown a lot and been able to kind of be there for other people that's gone through loss and yeah um you know god's kind of used it and it's just sort of it is what it is but i definitely i definitely miss him a lot still and those those times where the i mean we've had a lot of great things happen in the last 10 years and it, every time it's just like oh i just want to tear up thinking about yeah. dad, dad not being able to be here you know totally but, okay so you've given us so much time so we got a couple of last questions we always ask people what uh do you love the most about being a dad Mm, man, there's a lot of things that's incredible about being a dad. I think one of the coolest things is it helps me view life through a through the eyes of a child, which is really fun. You know, I feel like I was trying to get that back for yeah. the last five years. And, and then having kids, you're like, oh, it's back. Like yeah. I can see life in a more beautiful, colorful, exciting, peaceful, loving way as opposed to, you know, <laughs> how we look at it as adults a lot of times, you know, and or how the news portrays life or whatever. So, I don't know. It's also just incredible to feel that next level love that you don't even, I don't even think I knew existed, you know, and, and to be able to to say, wow, like, I love my kids this much. That's, I'm sort of understanding how Jesus, you know, how God loves us, mm. you know, and it's like that's been a cool. So I would say between that and then just the overall perspective, uh, on life and just the getting to see see life through those eyes i think it's just a it's a special thing and i, I at times i think that's just how god intended it to be you know we get to yeah. a certain age we get a little bit whatever and then you get renewed and recharged when you have kids you know totally so what is the thing would you say that makes you feel like you're a successful dad man i think right now especially it's just making time putting those kids up there on the Maybe not the tip, tip, top of the priority list, but definitely the top five, you know, and yeah. and all of us got time in the day to make time for five things. So 
so yeah, just making sure that that you have that time with them because I I just know already how fast it goes by and how valuable those years are and um you know it's easy for me to get caught up in my own routines and my own I mean busyness of life and career and businesses and all that and I think just remembering to be present and to be there and like I said before trying to set structure up in your life whether it's putting it on the calendar or whatever to to be present put your phones away and just kind of just be present man I think as a kid like that is just so valuable for the parent to just be there even if you're just sitting in the floor doing nothing it's just they just they just glow and you can I again it takes me back to when I was a kid and just how cool it was to have 20 minutes to throw the baseball or something with that you know so I just try to remember that and channel that and make time yeah all right this one's a doozy buckle up what do you want your kids to say at your funeral oh wow which you've i mean you've you've done that i mean you've been the one you know your dad so i imagine that would that is tough i i think i would want them to say that i loved people that i left uh a legacy and i created something on earth that gave glory to god and also was was something they were proud to say that look what my dad did you know Hopefully they can say I was a man of faith and I was a, a a good husband and something they said at my dad's funeral that I've always remembered is they they said that my dad was a people collector. Oh, so my he like gosh, I mean at his funeral they had to have a they had to have two services one that was in English and one that was in Spanish because he collected so many people that half the people were Hispanics that worked for him and they couldn't really fully understand English so they Dude. had. A whole nother sermon that my was preached by one of my dad's employees who was a pastor as well. And anyways, I just was really inspired by that and thought, man, a collector of people, that's a really cool way to look at life. And, you know, at times Haley and I look around and we're so thankful. We have so many incredible friends, especially in this town, you know, and all over the country. But I think, man, at the end of the day, at your funeral, like you can't have too many friends. You know what I mean? Like show up for you at the funeral and yeah. So I don't know. I think it'd be cool if my kids could say that I was a collector of people as well, and I feel like I, I did get that from dad. I love people and to be around people, and I don't know, just connection, you know. God, yeah. that that picture of your dad's funeral that is ma- isn't that amazing? Mm. Did you go to both? Yeah, it was back to back. That's amazing. That it was pretty profound. neat, man. It was cool. It was definitely inspiring. Yeah, my dad had a. He had so many Hispanic employees that he he would always invite them to church on Sunday, and they'd all, they would always come. But after a while, he realized like, all right, we're sitting in church, like they can't understand a fourth of what the pastor's saying at the speed he's talking and everything. So then he started like he talked to our church, and then he he was able to get them to uh, basically okay for him to to start like a Hispanic church within our church. And they had like a little chapel out in the garden, so every Sunday. They would he would go to Spanish church right there in the chapel in the garden of our main church and they'd have thirty or forty people show Gosh, up and then they so cool. could have their own that church, you know. So that's cool. really cool. It was, God, man. That's it's, cool. it's pretty neat and definitely. What a powerful inspiring. last image. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like to think that your last time thinking about your dad and being with your dad was that. That's yeah, incredible. Definitely cool. And I had actually went home from college that weekend that he passed away and we hung out the night before which is crazy because we were going to go to the 
the Supercross race that we go to every year. So I just happened to be home. It was all kind of a God thing. We got some good time together the night before, and then he passed away in our backyard the next day, obviously unexpected. And, but just to be able to be there and to be with the family and not have to drive from Nashville to Georgia. Mm. And to get time with him. And to yeah. get you that time. coming down. Right. Thinking when was the last time yeah. you talked to him. Right. So it was, yeah, there was a lot of God moments, even in the pain, you know, that was kind of like we were grateful for. So. Yeah. So anyways. All right, last question. What is the one thing that you want your kids to know? Man, I think if you, I think just that they're loved by me and by Haley and by God. And if they could genuinely know that and believe that, that's, I mean, what more can you ask for yeah. as a parent? I know that maybe sounds cliche. No, dude. No, that's it. It's all I can think of, man. Yeah, to know that they're loved. Yeah. I hope they always feel that. Yeah, that's great. T-Hubs. Thank you so much for Bring in the well, heat. Hey, thank y'all, man. Bring awesome. in the heat. I love talking. It was great chatting with you. It's yeah, y'all too, man. Thanks yeah, for thank having you. me. Well, that's it. John, we made it through, and we did everyone it. else did. We did uh, it. Through our very first episode. If you liked what you heard, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast. And if you want to be a sweet angel sent from so heaven, sweet. you can rate this podcast and make sure to follow us on social media at Dave Barnes Music. That's Dave's. And at John McLaughlin. That's mine. That's actually mine, too, because I bought it. You know. <laughs> so uh, we will see you every other Monday. Yeah. Well, actually, not just you. So you bring bring your crazy yeah, uncle br- Ted. Bring everybody. Your hairdresser, your hair cutter, because those are always different. The guy who uh-huh. sharpens your lawnmower blades and your t-ball coach and your swimming instructor. And for me, that's just the same guy. All those things. <laughs> well, then bring him, and we'll see you next time on Deadville. <laughs>